The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. So that's required by protocol because of who my next guest is. Um, a big sporting week for um, the French, obviously, um, particularly on Thursday, which we would like to put behind us. And yesterday, and uh, congratulations to um, everybody from France and the victory over uh, New Zealand. But we are going to talk about a bit of uh, rugby. We're going to talk a little bit of sport generally, but particularly we're going to talk about the relationship between Ireland and France and what has been happening in France over the past while because I'm uh, joined by the French ambassador to Ireland and I apologise for the um, French pronunciation, Vincent Guerin. And uh, Vincent, first of all, thank you very much for coming in to us. It is great to see you. Before we get into anything to do with French and Irish relationships, can I ask you, because I think it's only appropriate, that you might consider a formal apology for what your football team did to us on Thursday night? Uh, well, I think it was a fair game. <laughs> I was in the Aviva Stadium for the first one in March. Uh, I wasn't in Paris yesterday. I think two teams were very committed, dedicated. At the end, this time France won again. But uh, let's Did see you what happens in rugby. <laughs> were, were diplomatic relations slightly tense on the, the Friday and Saturday or, or did we get over it quickly? No. Did you I leave think, the house at all over those two days? Yes, sports is sports and let's <laughs> let's give it that way. But uh, no, it's, it's great to see our two teams uh, meeting uh, both a female team, it was earlier in, in April, May, and male team yesterday, and of course on all pitches, rugby, football, soccer. So it's it's, it's great to see our two teams meeting so often. You are now just finished your third year going into your fourth year as French ambassador. I wanted, I think it's a sort of a sweet spot because you are here long enough to have an established feel for the country, but probably not long enough to have gone native. So... <laughs> Maybe you can give us the the view from the uh, through French eyes. Many years ago, the your German counterpart did an interview on a, a weekend radio show before the crash, where he spoke about Ireland falling in love with luxury cars and self indulgence. And in hindsight, if we had listened, it might have been a a, a stark warning that we could have uh, gained from. What's your view on us? What's the French view on us? Uh, well, firstly, uh, the view of, of, of friendship. The Irish have a wonderful, very positive uh, um, um, uh, image in France. We, we love the Irish. And uh, it probably has very ancient roots. I mean, you know, the Celts, the Normans, and the wild geese, and all these uh, episodes of our uh, bilateral history. And this year, we're celebrating the 225th anniversary of the so-called Year of the French. So, equally, we have a very good uh, image of, of the Irish um, what I found most uh, striking when I arrived back here after having spent some time in Ireland in the mid-80s in Cavan on a farm uh, was the, the tremendous changes that had occurred in, in Ireland uh, across the board, socially, economically, politically. Uh, the streets of, of, of Dublin were uh, not to be recognized compared to what they were in the 80s. So uh, this country has... Uh, completely changed and 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 it has uh, in a way become even more european if i may say but there's a sense to some extent that that the the process of that change has led to some level of tension because 
a lot of that change was funded by EU cohesion and structural funding to which France contributed and we received for a long time. And in recent years, a lot of the discussion, particularly when we look at France, has been about things like BEPS, has been about the Common Consolidated Corporation Tax Base, has been a sense, at least from some viewers here, that France is resentful that we may be playing it fast and loose with a tax system to an unfair advantage to our economy. No, but again, you were maybe in the past or you thought yourself as uh, small on the periphery, maybe poor or poorer than others. And now you are no longer poor by EU standards or the country. You are no longer small in, in many areas, uh, in IT, in, in pharmaceuticals. You are a heavyweight in Europe, as I said uh, recently in an article. And uh, you are no longer in the, really in the periphery because it's a digital world and, and the geographical location matters less. So all this added means that you are more and more in the European mainstream, in the European middle ground, and that uh, also and, some and you of the advantages you had uh, may be also less relevant. Is that a common perception, do you think, in France? Or is that is that your view because you are here amongst us? Oh, no, that's a common perception. Uh, that now you, 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 you're punching certainly above your weight, or it is your weight uh, in many areas. And, well, when you come to taxation in particular, I think this has been uh, discussed time and again until uh, recently, and you joined the you know, European or ECD-wide consensus. I think many agreed that uh, it was somehow unfair or unethical to see a very large corporation paying very, very low taxes when the bookshop around the corner had to pay normal taxes. Although the accusation has always been that uh, ours may have been a slightly more obvious approach to low taxes, but that other European nations, including your own, managed to offer relatively low corporation tax bases to large corporates when they wanted to. Yeah, but on average, I think the uh, the gap was was much wider in your case. You mentioned uh, having talked about Ireland being large in scale in an article. I think that was the, the article that you did in the in the Business Post. And one of the things you talked about was us or rather France being now our nearest European neighbour post-Brexit. Do you think the the departure of, of the UK has fundamentally shifted the Irish-French relationship? Oh, yes. Uh, and I think on for both, uh, meaning, again, we regret Brexit and we didn't want Brexit and, and we would have much preferred if the UK had stayed in the EU. This was not our decision. But this being said... Uh, Brexit was a watershed for the EU and certainly for France and Ireland, the two nearest neighbours of, of the UK and, and close in many respects. And this has, uh, in a way, also uh, brought France and Ireland to, to have a new look at each other. And now we're proud to be, as you said, Ireland's closest neighbour in the EU. Uh, and there are many things which have also illustrated this new closeness. If you look at the number of uh, direct uh, maritime connection, it has been quadrupled over the last couple of years. You had 12 sailings a week, in Irish ports and French ports, now you have more than 45 sailings a week between Rosslare, Dublin and Cork and French ports. We're building this uh, Celtic interconnector, you know, this, which will uh, liaise the two electrical grids. It will be uh, in service in early 2027. Uh, the trade is booming. We have more and more uh, French students coming to uh, study in Irish universities. And equally, the, uh, France is the first destination for 
uh, Irish uh, Erasmus students. France is the first destination of Irish foreign direct investment in the EU. So the links are extremely uh, dense uh, in modern terms, not just uh, because of historical reason. And talk to me about your view generally of what's happening in terms of the relationships across the EU, because you spent a long time in in the EU bureaucracy and diplomacy before you um, came to Ireland. There's sort of a sense that Brexit was part of a, a weakening of the ties that bind. Is that is that your thoughts? Is that your view? Break with a weakening of the ties uh, between... It, it was evidence of a weakening of the ties across the European Union, that there we see the rise of anti-European movements in various different member states. We see fomenting of dissent and rebellion and a sense of, of jingoism and... and in, internal focus from some from a number of member states that mightn't have been there previously. Is it a worrying time? Well, I think firstly the UK was always specific from day one of their membership until the very last day. They always had a specific attitude toward the EU and specifically towards the EU integration. Uh, now there are of course cultural political differences within the EU family, within member states, but the I would rather say that over the last 20, 30 years, the EU integration process has advanced a lot, has been certainly uh, very beneficial for EU citizens. Just look at the last big decision made for the purchase of uh, COVID vaccines, the last uh, big decision made uh, in terms of energy, energy stabilization, price uh, mechanism, etc. So... The EU has very much been up to the huge challenges uh, that we Europeans are facing. Uh, and of course, um, there may be some, let's say, uh, questions asked in, in, in some public opinions. But more generally, we'll see, of course, with the next uh, general European election in, in June next year. But there should be a sense that the EU has really served Europeans very well. I want to talk a little bit about what has been happening in in France in in recent uh, days and weeks because obviously there has been some tensions there. I do want to go back to one thing first. Why were you in an Irish farm in Cavan in the 1980s? (laughs) Uh, So it was indeed summer in 1985 in Stradone, County Cavan, close to Cavan Town, in a, in a wonderful uh, family, uh, Jim and Kathleen O'Reilly. And I visited them again uh, just uh, uh, in July. <laughs> um, and so, well, I, I was 15, 16. I want to improve my, my proficiency in English. So uh, you went to Cavan? <laughs> so I went to Cavan. <laughs> I picked up some of the Cavan accent. And I had a lovely time there on the farm, just uh, enjoying uh, family life uh, outdoor <laughs> with the family. And uh, it, it was really a, a wonderful experience. And did you spend much time, because most of your, your postings, you spent a lot of time both in, in Europe and then uh, across the other side of the world. Did you have much interaction with Ireland before you got the nod to become ambassador? Uh, a lot in, in Brussels in particular, because I had a chance to in Brussels to work with many uh, uh, Irish uh, civil servants, top quality from the highest level. You may be familiar with the name of Catherine Day, the former Secretary General. David O'Sullivan was himself uh, uh, director general and and, um, and he was then also uh, ambassador to uh, the United States. So I had the chance to work with both of them, but also with many others at a more junior level. And it was always um, a great pleasure to discuss uh, about Ireland, to compare uh, um, views. Um, and so, yes, I kept also a lot of connection with Ireland thanks to Brussels and the EU. That's another area where we have always believed ourselves to punch above our weight. That is uh, our, the EU administration generally and the Irish access to it and, and, and um, level of employment within it. Is that true? 
Oh yes, in in the EU, uh, Ireland is uh, again uh, uh, very very uh, let's say Heinz team and recognised as a very very uh, loyal and a good player. Uh, it is also true within the uh, civil service, the European civil service, and I can only echo the campaigns of of the uh, Irish government to encourage uh, young Irish uh, uh, women and men to to join the European civil service. Talk to me then about what has been happening in, in France. Civil unrest, we saw the, the Gilets Jean pr- protests roll into what became an extended period of, of uh, different flashpoints of uh, civil unrest. We've seen the right uh, the rise of the, the far right in uh, recent elections, albeit not as strongly as we might have imagined. Is it a worrying time for your home country? Well, France, like many other European countries, are f- is facing many challenges in terms of uh, adaptation, digitalization, adaptation of climate change, uh, um, aging population, even though we are aging at a slower pace than others, uh, migrants uh, coming. A pension uh, crisis that links to that aging population. Pension crisis also, uh, well, we have also some uh, fiscal challenges. So all this is coming in a way uh, at the same time. Uh, we have, I think, a, a government who has been showing over the last one, seven years, even before that, uh, our um, our compass is certainly in the European integration and in, in, in further integration politically, socially, economically. Um, this comes also with some resistance inside, it's true. But at the same time, the French population, which is uh, historically also somehow grumpy, <laughs> as pro to go to the streets, has also always been convinced that this was ultimately uh, the, the best choice uh, for themselves and for the next generation. So I'm confident this will be again the case uh, in the upcoming polls and, and, and elections. What's your expectation for the World Cup? For the World Cup... Uh, Don't rugby, say Le Bleu, you're not allowed. Rugby World Cup. Uh, well, we have very strong teams <laughs> around. Uh, I believe the Irish and the French team are certainly also uh, among the, the strongest. And, and hopefully, hopefully this time, uh, we will have <laughs> one half two teams coming. <laughs> Unsurprisingly <the> <laughs> diplomatic, given your role. I said at the outset that you're, uh, you're on the cusp of, of your fourth year into your posting. Is it a posting where you would say, leave me here till I retire? Or are you eager to get on to bigger and better things? Well, certainly not bigger and better because I certainly enjoy very much uh, uh, serving uh, here in Ireland. It's uh, frankly an honour and and, and privilege to be representing France in Ireland for the reason we explained uh, at the start that the relationship is extremely strong and and positive and and grow further. I could spend hours in telling you how we we continue to to build up this this partnership. Uh, But so, uh, yes, I would certainly be glad to stay uh, longer, but that's not the the rule in in diplomatic services. You're you're not supposed to turn native, (laughs) and so I will have to leave too. And before we wrap up, what impact does that have on your family life? Because you have two kids, haven't you? Four kids. Four kids, sorry. How does that? Ha- how do you handle things like school and education and the movement between? Because you you have had a nomadic life thus far. Indeed. Well, I'm very grateful for my wife and for my kids to have uh, come along and and accepted uh, this nomadic life, as you said, uh, moving from India to back to Germany to Indonesia to Brussels and etc. Uh, and now uh, Ireland. Um, it has uh, certainly um, uh, huge advantages in terms of opening and, and cultural uh, discovery. It has also a, a, a price to be paid in terms of friendship and and, and having to, to move uh, so often. Uh, but again, I, I believe and I hope uh, that uh, they've also taken some uh, uh, some positive <laughs> uh, memories of uh, of this uh, nomadic life, as you say. 
Well, thank you very much for coming in this morning and on the topic of the, the World Cup, best of luck to France in the World Cup. Obviously, we would hope that they would finish second. It has been a great <laughs> pleasure talking to you, Vincent Goran. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Anton. The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.